When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Tripe Supper, Gazette Borough's Middlesbrough Football Club podcast. What a load of tripe. It's the Tripe Supper we didn't really want to record this season, looking back on Middlesbrough's relegation to the, to the Championship after that was confirmed at Stamford Bridge. On, on Monday night, I'm joined by Anthony Vickers and, and Jonathan Taylor to look back on that game this season and, and I guess to look ahead as to what happens now. Uh, before we start, if you've been listening to the, to the podcast for the last month or so, you'll realise that we're sponsored at the minute by the Lung Cancer Reduce Your Risk campaign, um, which is, which is uh, aimed to, to raise awareness to those who, who are over the age of 50 who've been smoking for, for a fair few years and if they've had symptoms such as coughing for more than three weeks, if they've had chest pain for more than three weeks, or if they've been coughing up blood, then they should be made aware of free drop-in uh, x-ray clinics that are around Teesside. They're available at the minute at um, Middlesbrough's One Life Centre, Redcar Primary Care Hospital, or uh, James Cook University Hospital. For more information on that, you can go and reduceyourrisk.co.uk. And we'll give you more details on that, more information, when they're available, who they're available for and whatnot, before we, before we finish today. Um, Vic, obviously looking back at Stamford Bridge on Monday, it was desperately disappointing. It kind of felt inevitable but that doesn't make it any easier to take, does yeah, it? Yeah, we've been living under the shadow of relegation for some time now. Uh, I think we've all been through the various stages of grief with uh, anger and denial and bargaining. And you know, Personally, I, I got to resignation several weeks ago. Uh, for me, it probably went during the week of destiny uh, when you know, we all sat here and we, we calculated how many points we needed to survive and we, we decided seven was probably the target but six we might get away with and we actually came out of that week with two points uh, and since then the pendulum swung decisively against Borough because then you're relying on other teams results and other teams have stepped up and Borough have continued to to flatline uh, with a, an approach of football which has fallen short so uh, you know you look at moments when it probably thought you thought that it wasn't going your way and, and it only takes a second to go, to score a goal and if Rudy Gastet's header goes in at Swansea, maybe we have a different outcome. John, Vic talks there about the kind of moment of, of resignation. Was there a moment for you where you looked back and thought, not necessarily that Borough are gone, but you thought, hold up, Borough in, are in real trouble here? Because, you, you know, you look up to Christmas and there was an air of comfort. I wrote today that, that perhaps it was too comfortable and perhaps Borough took their eye off the ball and then when they did realise it, you know, they were stuck in a rut and they couldn't get out of it. Was, was there a specific moment for you? Yeah, I, the first time that I started to worry for Borough um, was away at Tottenham and it was a pretty nondescript 1-0 defeat which was fine and the performance was decent enough and yeah, they didn't hurt Spurs too much but but you know, on, on the surface everyone kind of said, oh well, that, that, you know, that's, that's fine, you, you're going to lose there but what really spooked me was uh, what happened afterwards and I remember I was sat in the press room at White Hart Lane and Nigel Caranta walked in um, and he says that... Um, 
basically the he put the lap defeat against Tottenham down to the players being spooked by the other results. Now, if you remember on the day, that was the day that, that Sunderland, I think, won yeah. 4-0 at Crystal Palace. And Borough kicked off later. And, and Borough kicked off, exactly, 5.30. And, and for the Borough manager then to to kind of claim that the, the playing staff were affected, they were mentally affected, affected by other results, that was a real kind of alarm bell for me. Um, but look, I mean, it, and since then it's kind of been one setback after the next, hasn't it? I think, I think, kind of little warning signs that we saw in the first half of the season, you know, got worse. I think that, I mean, I'm I'm of the belief that you know January was the January's what's killed Borough really. I mean, if you look at what's unfolded since January, I mean, they missed the top targets, which you know we we, we talked about at length. The players that came in were undercooked and, and couldn't threaten the first team. You know, the the manager Karanka became erratic. He obviously had a, a dig at pretty much everyone, didn't he? Including the medical staff and the fans and the the chairman and the players. And then obviously the form dips off and then injuries hit and then perhaps you know the fringe players like Emilio and Sui who get sold in January, that all of a sudden starts to look a bad decision. All of that comes together into the pot and um, yeah, it's been a disaster ever since January for me. I think there's a lot of talk about January, but obviously you look back to the summer and the recruitment there. I mean, when I look back, I think there were signs in the first half of the season that, that there was a, a side more than capable there, which makes it all the more frustrating. That said, you know, January was clearly a time to strengthen and, and, and ultimately Borough weren't able to do yeah, that. Yeah, we there were question marks over the recruitment in, in the summer because we all said there were perhaps one player short, a creative, pacey, wide midfielder short. Uh, but the first half of the season, Borough were doing just enough. They were grinding out results. They were staying in games. They were playing quite well, without really hurting anyone. And come, you know, going towards Christmas, they were four points above the drop zone. They played everyone. They were on the one point a game uh, survival trajectory, and they'd beat all the teams below them. So at that point, the stats, the indicators, all were that Borough were going to be boring as hell but would, would have enough to stay up. But I, I, think, I think collectively the club took their eye off the ball in January uh, and I don't think it was just the transfers. Uh, obviously the manager identified his targets which for one reason or another were probably unrealistic and they either, they either didn't want to come or the clubs didn't want to sell them and they spent a lot of time and energy into pursuing people that, that weren't going to make the move. Uh, and the reaction within the club I think was... It increased a lot of tensions, it created friction and I think the manager became uh, more concerned with some of the stuff off the field than on the field and for me that's where it went. Uh, Borough up to that point had been uh, very rigid, very ideologically driven, very very drilled uh, and there was a sense that everyone was pulling together but in January it didn't feel like that anymore, it felt like there were conflicts within the organisation it felt like the friction it, it felt like it was fracturing and uh, that comes home to roost and the harsh reality is that you know we talked about the inevitability and the acceptance last night that, that's largely because since Spurs or Crystal Palace or Stoke certainly since those three games in the week that, we, that we've talked about there has been a feel and, and there's been no suggestion that Borough are going to get out of it, has there? No, not really. And, and the only way you can get that suggestion is on the pitch and we've seen precious little. You know, For a team to go 16 games without a win in the Premier League, you know, which is the longest of any side you know, this, this year, it's kind of, it, it's, it's half a season. Half a season without a win. And, and, and those games as well, you can't really point at a moment where you thought, ah, oh, Borough should have won that game. 
that you know, oh, that was an injustice. Borough had that game in the back. They didn't look like winning a the game. They forgot. You, you wrote a bit today, don't you? They forgot how to win. Uh, and the longer that went on, and the more, then the more kind of toxic the entire atmosphere around the club went. The more erratic that you know the, the manager got. It all kind of, you know, it all basically it kind of spilled over didn't it and, and Vic is right as well because the first half of the season Borough were fine they were fine we saw them and they were never going to get you know sucked into the relegation scrap but that's what makes it even more gutting really is that if you're a Sunderland fan this season you can kind of say well look the squad's not not good enough it's not good enough it never was good enough and, and then the anger kind of turns it Presumably, the chairman or, or, or you know, David Moyes to a, to a degree as well. But for Borough, I mean, it's collective failure on every level. Like since January, I mean, I thought Karanka will will take some of the hit, and he has to. I think Steve Agnew has to take some of the hit because for for him to get six points from a possible twenty seven is you know, unbelievable as well. I don't think that he comes out of this you know, shining uh, or smelling the roses at all. I think the chairman doesn't come out of this very well. I think that you know. A lot of people, you can, it's very easy to say in hindsight, but a lot of people saw what was happening at their club and how the shadows were, were kind of heading over and nothing was done. Um, the decision not to make an external appointment, that I guess that, ha- that is just a, a has to fall on, on Steve Gibson's head. He took a gamble and it didn't, it didn't work. Um, the players, the, the, those players have proved that they're good enough and, and they've underachieved. And, and the staff as well, it's a collective failure on, on every level. Would you agree with that, Rick? Yeah, I, I feel the mentality around the club w- was uh, quite rigid. And, you know, and fair enough, in the Championship that worked. But you know, Borough played with a certain style and mentality and it got them promoted. Uh, I don't think they adjusted to the new landscape in the Premier League and they persisted with, with that, that mentality which is very risk averse and you, you kind of play within a very narrow band. There was never any real highs, there was never any real lows. Every game was pretty much tightly controlled. So I, I think the season's flatlined and then teams below Borough have put little spurts on but Borough have continued at the same level. So when other teams reacted, Borough didn't have a mentality that allowed them to respond. It was just, you know, as we said, you know, there was no plan B. And when you've been doing that for two years, in some cases three years as players, you become drilled into doing automatic things on the pitch when under pressure. Uh, so when you're under pressure, you revert back to that possession, passing the ball back, yeah. to go back to the keeper, uh, probing down one flank, we can't find a way through. Oh, we're not allowed to put the ball into, bo- into the box because that risks losing possession. So we'll pass it back to the halfway line, which was okay in the first half of the season because they were grinding out draws. But when, when the, the stats swung and wins became necessary, there wasn't a strategy there. They hadn't been drilled to find a way to win games. And it's, sometimes it's very hard to unravel that kind of mental programming. It takes a while to rewire a squad to play in a different way. And what's happened is that, uh, I mean, Steve Agnew's come in and there's, there's an element of the continuity because he's been part of that, the mechanics of drilling that. And Borough weren't capable of rewiring themselves. We saw a lot of attempts, different styles, different formations. Uh, you know, there was five formations in six games trying to find a way and get the balance right. But it, it always felt like you... They were swimming against the tide of this two years of ideological drilling. And I think that's what the problem is. The entire club now, I don't think it takes, takes a radical change in personnel. 
Uh, you can keep the core of that team, but they have to be rewired for next season. I think at the start of the season, I remember saying that Borough's fate will ultimately be dictated by how uh, Aitor Karanta dealt with um, defeat or setbacks. And uh, to a degree, that that's the case. But equally, something that I didn't really expect was that I think that was more how the players dealt with setbacks because these players haven't lost many games over the last two years. You know, as a as a body, as a, as one a collective, Middlesbrough have, have been on an upward trajectory for you know the best part of three three year three and a half years now, and that kind of goes back to that mental frailty of the un unable to deal with what was happening in front of them and and again that goes back to the Tottenham game of when there was an admission from the the person in charge that the players were mentally spooked by other results and that's only kind of uh, picked up pace as as the, the season's gone on. I mean, look at, at Hull and you know, and the Silver and Swansea and the Clement and then Allardyce with with Palace and Leicester, Leicester. You know, the players, if they were spooked by an odd weekend of results at Tottenham, they will have been spooked by those teams as well. If they were spooked, was it was it the players that spooked or was it the manager that was? Spooked? I think I think because the, it was the manager that came in and looked. Look, I think it was both and that filters down doesn't it if the manager is spooked if and the manager is rattled that, that goes down the that brings you back to the question of recruitment back in the summer when maybe three journeyman Premier League players who were experienced yeah. who preferably players from the bottom half of the table who've been through that yeah. they may have been a better investment than bringing people from other leagues who've got no experience in the Premier League you-, you know sometimes that's what you need you need a work a day journeyman bloke who's, who's done seven seasons in, in the Premier League when you look back at the summer it was very much one extreme in the other wasn't it when you look at the likes of uh, Victor Valdez and Alvaro Negredo certainly at one, at one end of the scale and then completely at the other projects like Victor Fisher and Adama Traore yeah. like you say did perhaps was there perhaps a need for a few just I, in the I middle, so. I mean, middle look, it's, it's, a, it's all hindsight but maybe maybe there would have been the club would have been better served by Agreeing to James Morrison's demands and paying the money he wanted because he would have been an experienced midfielder that's been there and seen and done it, uh, and also it was a problem position. I remember speaking to Dean Whitehead in the in the summer, and obviously that this isn't me saying that Dean Whitehead should have stayed by any stretch, but Dean Whitehead is obviously an experienced pro who has been in the Premier League for a lot of years, um, and he said that the key to the surviving in the Premier League is is that ability to remain level-headed you will lose games in the Premier League you will go on five games without a win but if you can stay level-headed and don't go get down in the dumps and, and kind of be emotional about it you will then win a game and that's part I think you know that rings more true now than ever that Borough did get emotional they lost the game and you could see that there was an emo- emotional side of the players a frailty of the players and, and that, that for me that's a direct projection from Aitor Karanka because he reacted emotionally to, to defeat because he more than anyone was not wired to deal with that situation because throughout his career he's been been successful mm. and at Middlesbrough he's come in and after a rocky first two or three months he's pretty much been successful and I don't think he was emotionally capable of dealing with it I don't, yeah I think he's got certainly got um, you know he has a massive role to play in the failure of the season but I, I don't think that we should skirt over the issue of Steve Agnew as well because I, I think that he should have should have done a lot more, could have done a lot more. I think that he's been around that Borough team for the end of two years now. And when, once, yes, I know that he has to change things tactically and have a go, but 
he should have shoot if any of us go down the pub we kind of think we know we would pick our borough 11 of what system we wanted to play bring in any kind of any experienced manager and they will Im- implement their style of play and pick the players to fit into their system i got the impression that Steve Agnew doesn't know what his best system is despite being an assistant manager and be and knowing the players better than anyone i don't think he knew even coming into the job and that explained you know how he was switching formations left right and center it seemed kind of just a we'll, we'll try this and see and, and i didn't expect that so i think that he is equally culpable for that as well just to break off from the football for a minute as if as if this hasn't been downbeat enough so far uh, lung cancer is the most common cause of cancer death in, in the south tees in, in middlesbrough and redcar and cleveland for both men and women the reason i'm telling you this of course is because uh, the, the podcast at the minute is sponsored by the uh, the lung cancer reduce your risk campaign which is basically raising awareness of those who are over 50 uh, smokers who are over 50 who've been uh, suffering sif- symptoms such as coughs or coughing up blood um, well they should be made aware of the fact that there's now these x-ray clinics available around Teesside and they're at the James Cook University Hospital uh, the One Life Centre in Middlesbrough or Red Card Primary Care Hospital Trust um, don't just rock up any time it's probably best to, to go on and double go on the internet and double check first and you can, and you can do that by visiting uh, www.reduceyourrisk.co.uk uh, that's reduceyourrisk.co.uk Vic uh, we talked about Steve Agnew there and obviously kind of that's the the one question that, that one prevailing question now as, as, to, as to what happens next when I mean I guess that the, the call is for clarity and especially going into the summer when do you expect a decision to be made on, on the manager and, and, and is there any signs yet as, as to what it could be uh, no uh, that's possibly one of the problems and the manager maybe doesn't have the authority because he, he's never really been underlined as a permanent manager uh, I would expect it to happen very quickly after the season ends because realistically you've got six weeks before pre-season starts and that's not a lot of time for someone to come in organise, to think about targets uh, for a, a different division, uh, a very gruelling division. Uh, we assume that five, six, seven players eight players might leave from the, the current squad. That's quite a big rebuilding job so basically you know, the work, the work should have already started if we're being honest on lining up targets uh, but as soon as the season's over, with, you know, within a couple of days, I think, if the club have to, I've got to take control of the situation. That you know, we, we're in a, it's a coalition of chaos at the minute. But if they're going to take control of the situation, it has to be done almost immediately. This season's out of the way, and so we can get on with rebuilding uh, and re-energising and, and being ready for the start of the next season. Because whatever happens next season, we have to be ready to go from day one. John spoke about six points from 27 Agnew's return and, and, and the manager when you speak to him he, he, he kind of talks about the positives that he's seen on the training ground and he's accepting that that, that probably hasn't reflected on, on the pitch enough on a Saturday afternoon Will, is Steve Gibson's decision now purely down to what he sees on a Saturday and the points return or, or will he kind of you know, scurry away and find out more about the whole, the whole feel around the place, how the players have responded, what the players are thinking, what, what kind of the mood is around the place. Well, I think Steve Gibson has to decide what he wants from the club, uh, and he has done in the past, you know, when he brought in Brian Robson, for instance, uh, everyone knew there was question marks over his coaching credentials, but he was a player that could attract people to the club. And sometimes it's getting the balance between someone who's a good coach, someone who knows this league, someone who's going to uh, re-energise the fans. Because at the minute, you know, there's a, 
bit of a cloud around around the situation. Everyone's very disappointed. People are frustrated. Uh, there's a need to get things off people's chest, recriminations, scapegoating, all that sort of. Thing. You know, there's, we're in a bad place in a lot of ways. So sometimes a new face coming in that can be a spark, uh, draw a line under it, and move on. Sometimes that's more important than whether or not they have. Uh, UA for B licence or whatever. Steve Agnew will be desperately disappointed, won't he, John? Or by by the points return and by the way it ended, has turned out because this was a, a chance he was he was desperate to take. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been what he's waiting for all his entire career, and and you kind of to a degree you you can feel a bit of sympathy towards him. I mean that look. I mean, he, firstly, he's very fortunate to be given a chance to be Middlesbrough head coach. No doubt about that. But but equally, he was. He was put in a situation which was very, in a very difficult place. Um, that's not kind of saying he's not uh, equally culpable because he is. Um, but Borough were in a difficult place. They were already sliding. The wheels were were very much kind of off, and it felt like Borough were, were you know desperately trying to tread water to to stay afloat. Um, on the other side of it, I think Steve Agnew perhaps has he's missed a trick a little bit for me really because he. If he genuinely wanted to set out his stall as a manager, he needed to he needed to kind of um, look at what's come previously and distance himself from it. Um, but unfortunately, he is the assistant at Waito Karanka, so he is, is seen as part of the problem. Not once has, has Agnew kind of set out what he is, or what if you asked if I asked you now, what does Steve Agnew stand for in terms of his on-field approach? Is it, what kind of footballs do you like play? This kind. These are questions that we're now, you know, we're now heading into nine, ten games that he's been in charge, and I'm not quite sure. I don't know what his best system is. I don't know what his footballing philosophy is, especially. Um, and he'll look, probably look back at that as a real disappointment because he, he should have probably trusted himself and said, "This is what I think is Borough's best way of playing," and stick with it. But by swapping formation six or seven times, all that does is it kind of suggests that you don't know what you're doing. Um, two games to play, Southampton at home and Liverpool away. There's obviously been talk about kind of whether whether wholesale change is the right option now, whether you, whether you give players like Dimi Constantopoulos a chance to enjoy Premier League football. It, it, what, what's your thinking on that? Uh, I think Borough, these are two really important games. Uh, you're playing for pride. You're playing to show that there is the structure there of a squad that wants to be at the club. Uh, you're playing to uh, set down a marker for next season. Uh, for me, you're playing to stop the Scousers getting into the Champions League. I mean, for me, that'd be a fantastic final day if, they could, if we could finish on a high like that uh, and actually have something to talk about. Uh, the worst possible thing, I think, is chopping and changing and giving people a sentimental run out. Um, I've heard people saying we should put, uh, the, put a team of kids out. I mean, you, you can't shortchange the fans. You've still got to put out your best possible team. Uh, there's an argument that maybe... You wouldn't use the loan players because they're not going to be here next year, and uh, work with what's you know what the permanent people on the books. But whatever team you put out, it's got to be a team that's that's geared mentally to go out and prove a point, to entertain the fans, and to give people something to sing and sing and dance about going into the summer. Because it's important that we go in into the summer with at least something to cling to. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that the question was asked of what Steve Gibson's thinking will be and it will be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday in terms of what the the atmosphere is like and the dynamic because if thing, if the fans do turn against Steve Agnew, if on the pitch Borough um, have a real off day as, as they've had uh, at times, 
that could go a long way to suggesting what the future is. In terms of the team, I agree with it. You can't, you can't just make eleven changes. Um, but equally, I think that you have to now seriously have a one eye on next season. And there's a lot of players in that Boris squad that I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know because I haven't seen enough of them. So I'm looking, case in point, at Bernardo Espinosa. I'm looking at Victor Fischer. I'm looking at uh, Adlene Gudiora. I mean, I don't know if these players are good enough. So maybe now the last two games is, is to have a look at people who could potentially play a part next year but yet haven't had a chance this year to see, are you good enough? Have you, are you mentally brave enough to get on the ball at a time when you know, the fans are probably going to be on you, the borough are down? Have you got the bottle to, to you know, show the leadership you need? Those are the kind of players I would pick. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't think, I mean, I don't think playing Dimi, for example, I don't, I don't see the benefit in that. Fellas, thank you.